ready. Welcome to More Than Words. You got your host, okay, Shara and Liz. Okay, I want to walk y'all. If y'all don't know, you need to know that we are the aunties of inclusion. And Liz and I have really taken it on ourselves to be just advocates in diversity, equity, inclusion, and personal growth and storytelling. And that is why I hope you are here. We are pumped because I don't know about you, Liz, but I have seen our Instagram has been growing, meow. And our YouTube has been growing, meow. Um, and our Apple Music subscribers have been growing, meow. Okay. okay can I, wait, 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 wait. You had Buddy cut out one of the meows in a prior episode. Yeah. And now so, you meowed three times. Well, what happened is I'm in my feminine energy. I don't know if it's for those of y'all not watching the video, I definitely have embodied my Dolly Parton slash dream girl. So my head I love like, it. I love I got, it. I love it. Yes. I'm giving bouffant, you know what I mean? I'm giving like, you know, 60s, 70s hippie vibes plus my hood hoops, right? And so I am really just in that in that vibe today so buddy keep the meows because i think people just need to know that Shara is present and ready for class for sure for up you know i what am i rocking what am i rocking yeah that ponytail is giving life and those lips that lip color is telling you this is not this is from paris <laughs> Tell me yes, because um we just finished we just came back from a quick trip to london and paris and somebody commented um uh, saying you sound really bougie uh because you like oh just a quick trip to london oh just a quick trip to paris and i'm like why do i sound bougie and then i said oh yeah i do sound bougie actually <laughs> First of all, bougie is only relative. You right beside Paris. That's not, that's really ridiculous. It's like somebody who living in this city who just take a three hour trip to so wherever that is. In our case, it'd be Austin, San Antonio. If you went DC, it's New York, it's New Jersey. Like that's nothing. So don't be hating on the new neighborhood. No. So we did, we did go visit uh, Disneyland Paris. And let me tell you what, yeah. that Disneyland Paris smells like Nutella and crepes. And they have champagne carts just dotted around the park. Is this for kids? What, what, why? Uh, How is this working? Everybody's a kid. Yeah, so you Mark, you clearly done got um, Disney and now you believe you done drinking. Hold on, I got you something just for no. us and the listeners. No, oh my gosh, put it back. Oh, <laughs> oh it's trying to blur it out. Yes, Disney, blur it out. <laughs> If y'all don't know, Liz just put on some Mickey Mouse ears. I don't know what, Minnie Mouse, sorry, Minnie Mouse with the bow. But I will say, listen, I'm proud of you. I be talking about my friends all the time. I don't care. Like, I may not be doing, um, going to Paris for Disneyland, but I be like, yo, my friend at Disney Paris. People are like, I didn't even know Disney had a spot in Paris. I was like, y'all need to know. See, we want something. Like, we work hard. When we got goals that's outside of the United States, um, and we need passports and airplane tickets and kid passes to get on rides. That's what we That's right. Do. You would have had the best time. And I'll tell you what, my kids were like, where's Miss Shara? She should be here. She even um, the oldest one was like, she she already missed Disneyland Paris. 
she already missed Disneyland Paris. I'll say that again because, Aww. right? Like, he's like, well, why are you missing so much? Right, right, because I'm not there. And they know that if I was there, we would have the ride handled because I love that stuff. So I'm right. The boys are right. I need to get on the agenda. Let's go to the auntie moment. So for those of you who don't know, man, listen, we like to spend um, our time highlighting those who are bold, audacious, um, those daring moments that we have, others have, um, where they're talking about things where they're brave or fearless, or quite frankly, if it's just a hot topic and we just feel the spirit move against us and we like hey we need to talk about that but this case Liz said she had a moment and I haven't talked to Liz for over a week so I don't know what's going on so let's listen up okay so that is actually part of it so in our last episode um that just came out actually talking about immigration um check it out if you haven't and there's gonna be a funny moment but anyways I we both listen back to all of our episodes that we record we we edit them well buddy edits them but we listen to them right because we're new podcasters and we just want to make sure that everything is okay and great and wonderful so we listen back and we've recorded recorded a couple episodes while i've been here in the uk why didn't y'all tell me that i looked a tired b i sounded not like myself okay uh, and I listened back to this episode. This is why I love coaching because, and very similar to coaching, coaches are like a mirror, right? It's there. It's a full, it's a full floor length mirror. Okay. And <laughs> I saw this, like, you know, those clown mirrors. <laughs> um, why did y'all tell me I looked like this? I had... I was pale. Um, I was my I was my energy was low. And I just and I just kept going and kept pushing and pushing. And I think we tend to do this so often in our lives where we just push ourselves to the limit. Why do we do this to ourselves? And the entire time I kept saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. But I gotta keep going. But did I really have to keep going? Like, did we have to do all of this? I want to kind of, I want to apologize to our guests that we had over the last three weeks because, and, and I took a break, didn't I, Sha? I took about 10 days of worth of yeah. a break. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that I needed this so much. Yes, we went down to London. We went to Disneyland Paris. Um, and I came back really, really tired. But I also like I just mentally I'm much better. I'm in a so much better place because I didn't realize like how much I needed a break and how much I needed to rest. And I know that y'all have been seeing Shara's posts on Instagram because she's doing our content. She's been doing it for the last two weeks. Don't tell them because I want them to think I don't like you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted, y'all, because all those fancy IG posts with the things flying all over the place, that's Cher Hammond. Don't put my government name out there. Oh, you shoot, I'm going to have to bleep that out now. Oh, bleep that out no, there. They already know, because somebody 
somebody had already just looked at our website and I forgot I put my real name. I said, why I put my government name out there? Anywho, listen, first and foremost, Liz, I I honestly kind of candidly, I don't remember all of this because I was so happy for you to have your checkbox moment right in life to kind of do the thing that you vision yourself to do. Second of all, I see you all the time. So I don't have that lens anymore of like, oh girl, because don't forget, I will do oh girl anytime. Like I'm like, girl, go put that lipstick on. We don't need to record right now. Just hold on one second. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't notice it. But I will say I'm very proud because I think you we all have been super supportive of this transition for you and your family. And you normally go 150,000 miles a minute. And so to see you decide that you are was ready to take a break was really great because we have always wanted you to have a moment of rest and appreciation for what it is that you all have been taking on. But sis, I don't recall you looking a hot mess, but don't but don't get it twisted. I'm definitely about to roll back this YouTube and definitely <laughs> trying to go and look at eyeball what you talk about because I'm like, dang, I, I hope I ain't over here slipping for my girl, right? Like, um, but but I will say if that's a good point in PSA before we get into our guest, which is this is the time to check in, y'all. I'm not sure what time of the month that you're listening to this particular podcast, but it is almost the end of the year. And so you have been revving and running and adapting and pivoting for a long time in 2022. So this is a great opportunity for you to check in with yourself and say, what do you need to feel restored, refreshed, or re-engaged in what it is that you love? And more specifically, which we've talked a lot about, um, is taking care of yourself. And so whoever the listener is, hey, tap that person on the shoulder, um, who's not listening to the podcast and, and give them the link one. And then two, ask them, are they taking care of themselves? Okay. Because we need everybody. Okay. This work takes everybody at a hundred and thousand percent. Right. So with that said, um, we're going to move into our next part. So thank you so much, Liz, for that auntie moment. Girl, I don't know about that being auntie, but that restoration does feel like a little bit of auntie. So I get it. Um, we're going to introduce our guest and Liz is going to actually do the introduction. And I can't wait for y'all to meet this person. Oh, giddy. Oh, okay. So this is another CDI person. Uh, we connected on, we have cohorts with CDI. And you connect through the whole process, right? You really get to know these people because we coach them, they coach us, we group coach. And y'all know, I think there was an update a few months ago, but we talked about like, this is an intense program. And what I like to tell people as coaches is, well, and I, this is Tawana that says this, you, it really is true your first coaching client is you. So you got to break down all that armor and then rebuild yourself up. And let me tell you, that's lifelong work and it's hard. So I got paired with this amazing person and immediately we clicked, not just because we're both Peloton lovers, <laughs> just saying, but also because we just like, you just know when you meet someone, you just know, and you feel so supportive and it's a two-way street. So I always tell, I always tell people like in friendships, in relationships, whether they're romantic, whether they're, whether they're professional, they're all relationships and it takes two people to work. Right. And in that moment, in, we both coached each other and it was like, just an instant 
amazing moment. And she makes me a better coach in so many ways. And whenever I think about, we had Melanie Ryan a few in our first couple of episodes, and she is how Melanie is to you, Shara. Rachel, who is our guest, is like that to me, where these these people and like your friends or people that you have in your life level you up, take you to another level. I mean, you do that for me all the time. It's it's just being surrounded by that. So anyways, this person, I want to bring her on. Bring in Rachel. Come on into our More Than Words episode. Woo, 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 woo. She was making me tear up, Rachel. I don't know about you. How you holding together over there? I'm trying to make sure my eye makeup doesn't run over here. I um, (laughs) thank you for introducing me in that that beautiful way, Liz. And I just have to say, I had that moment too. And my first thought was, wow, I feel so connected to this woman. I hope she feels that way too, because I don't want to let her go like ever. Um, And it has just been such a joy to be in your life. And then I was hearing about Miss Shara for a very long time. And when I finally got to meet her, I thought, wow. I hope I can be in her life too. Because, <laughs> I mean, the two of you are just um, embodiment of strength and joy and love. Moving on to challenges all the time, so it is an absolute privilege to be in conversation with you today. Thank you for having me. And we're First of all, stop right? telling people that. Stop telling people whatever you're telling them about me. Because what happened if I ain't that? I walk, I walk in, they be like, oh, that's what you, what you want to be friends with. <laughs> Wait, you Rachel, Liz kept you a secret for a little while. <laughs> so let me, let me go and put Wait it Wait a minute, there. how? No, let's put it out there. Right, listen, Liz was like, I love my class and I met somebody that I really connect with, period. That was it for a long time. She's like, <laughs> when she was trying to keep it, I think she was trying to decide, like, how do I tell her that it's somebody else that's important <laughs> and coaching to me? I was laughing because when I finally found, met you, right? So she, of course, she talked about you uh, throughout the, I mean, after the program, because I'm telling you, she kept it tight lipped. But then when she told me about you and was like, hey, I, this is a person gotta be on our list. I was like, first of all, Liz, you clearly have a kindred spirit. You can have as many kindred spirits as you want, but don't think that when I ain't get on that, that discovery call, I was like, let me see who this kindred spirit is. Cause I don't know who this woman <laughs> over here with my friend who do coaching too. But no, Rachel, you've been amazing. And I know we've only met for a short amount of time. And honestly, our discovery call, I could have stayed on that phone with you for hours. And, you know, I, I'm just as lucky and blessed as Liz to have you in our, our network. And I think our listeners are going to love it. And with that, so we don't just love bomb everybody on this podcast. Um, and I do, episode it. Love. Right. <laughs> that, that's always, Liz always want a theme song. Let, Rachel, just know that we got we don't got the budget for money, but for music right now, but Liz be trying to throw them theme songs and just just bear with us here. I'm making a playlist. I hope everybody no. knows that a playlist is coming out with all of it our is. theme songs as well of our as guest songs because we ask yeah. our guests what their favorite ah. song is. 
Stop. We can't pay. We can't afford to play. None we actually that. don't even do anything with those songs right now. But I just want to know what our guests yes. like. To yes. Listen to. yes. Stop. So every time you try to sell this playlist. Okay. So Rachel. <laughs> uh, first of all, that's come from her Peloton and right. Y'all are Peloton buddies. That's right. Um, but but that her playlist do rock though, and I, I do listen to it to work out. But Rachel, so how we introduce all of our guests is non-traditional, right? Like we what we know I would expect nothing less. Of course. And thus bring out the diversity wheel. And so the diversity wheel is our way in just letting people get to know you deeply or deeply. And so we mm-hmm. asked you in your questionnaire. Like, what are those three top dimensions that you find yourself leading with every day? Yeah, and and so I I loved this question. I I really wanted. I took a minute to really reflect on it. And the way I kind of think about it is, my internal dimensions shape the way I move through the world. And obviously, um, for me, my external dimensions are choices the choices that I want to make. So internal dimensions, um, I'm a white, Jewish, hetero, able-bodied, cisgendered woman, like that, that's kind of how I am. Um, but, but as I think about the choices that I have to make and how I move through the world, it's about evolving thinking, education, seeing my privilege all the time, seeing the privilege of my kids, trying to use that privilege in every way I can think of to drive equitable outcomes in the places, the spheres that I move, bring people in, call people in, you know, just just be more, be more, be better. As my husband would say, do gooder. Um, that's, that's kind of how I, I thought about that question. Shout out to hubby with the do-gooder. Come on, hubby yeah, with, the, with the clothes. Come on with the yeah. clothes. But Rachel, you say that so casually, and that's not how many people move about the world or the cabin. Like I like to joke around, which is like when them smaller spaces. And so, you know, I I have to imagine, similar to what Liz and I shared with uh, and other guests have shared, that there are some challenges living that freely and out loud and being very clear about who you are. What are some of those stereotypes that come up kind of come out when those dimensions show up in the world? Yeah, there are a few, there are a few. I mean, I think on top of all this, you know, I, um, I have a very strong parent identity, but I'm also the breadwinner in my family. So when I think about how I move through the world, you know, um, my husband's kind of like Mr. PTA at the school and, and, and it's amazing. He's the head of the PTA for my kid's school. Nobody knows that I exist. Right. They're like, do you, are you really married? Do the kids really have a mom? And when I think about the stereotypes in terms of, you know, societal's idea of what I should be, you know, I'm supposed to be the mom who can do it all and make everybody happy um, and be a nice girl, right? Um, And I just, I can't help but be affected by that, but I reject the hell out of it at the same time. I think it's amazing for my children to see me as a breadwinner and God love my husband, he shouts from the mountaintop. You see all this stuff? 
your mom got that for us. Yes, my, my kids know that. Um, but I also just think that, you know, the, the dimensions we talk about, I have a responsibility to other humans. <laughs> I find it really shocking that there's not enough of that kind of innate accountability, but I have a responsibility to make things better for people. I have an un unearned privilege. I have, you know, sure, challenges, yes, but I gotta, I gotta do everything that I can in my power to make it so that others can have access and success in, in the way that, that I can. Oh, you know, there is some, some coaches right now stirred up. They got so many questions to ask. I know they stirred up. I have so up. many questions. I, so got, many. I got so many questions on that. Hey, where are we going to go? The unearned privileges? Are we going to go to the parenting. stereotypes of parenting and the women in the women's role in the house? Where are you going, Leah? Well, well you saw my, my name for this episode. It was so many. It was like advocacy, tech, parenting, stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Because, and this is how our discovery call, it was almost like all these little gems just kept coming out. Every time Rachel talked, I was like, oh, that's a good oh, whole <laughs> series on that. And yes, and that. So first, Rachel, I want to say, and I, I resonate with this because um, at the moment, I'm the, I'm the bread maker at the, of mm -hmm. the family. Mm -hmm. My husband's a stay-at-home dad for the moment, temporary. Um and he's an amazing dad, amazing. And I'm so blessed and, and humbled that my kids get to experience him like this. And they see me working and, and doing the podcast and, and coaching and everything. Why is it? And, and I'm making an assumption here. So I apologize in advance for making this assumption. But I feel this way at times. I feel guilty that totally. I'm not. And I think you said it right now a little bit. You were like, um... I feel like I have to be the best of everything. And then I have to be like super mom and, yeah. and super wife and super employee. And it's like, why can't, why can't women? And, and I'm, I'm generalizing here, but a lot of women tend to not own that. And there's this guilt around this, like mom guilt is such a big thing and it's awful. And because, it's okay to want to have a career and yeah. to ha it, have it be a priority. There is nothing wrong with ha your career being part of your identity. So where, I guess my, I just got like a comment. There was a question in there. There's an observation. Like, I just like, it's, it, the, that is so common in so many places and yeah. you being in tech, like, do you see that with, other women that you coach, mentor, advocate for? Like, do you see that a lot? Yes, <laughs> understatement of the century. I think, you know, some of what happens and, and like, I'll answer it in two ways. One is I had my own huge struggle with identity, right? Um, I, I was raised in a Jewish family where education was everything and you just work as hard as you possibly can and you achieve as much as you possibly can. And so it never occurred to me that I would not have a career. My, my, both my parents worked um, and worked hard and were successful. Um, 
And then I got to a point where while I was fearful to have a baby, I had baby. I have two now. Um, he's not a baby anymore. He's almost taller than me at age 10, which is really terrifying, frankly. Um, but, you know, I had to have that moment of reckoning of, okay, I know what everyone else thinks I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go be senior vice president or CEO or own my own company. But actually, what do I care about? What, what if I could throw away everybody else's expectations of me and definition of success and think about what is truly going to bring me joy and meaning? And if I, if I have a legacy, what am I going to look back on and say, that was a good use of my life? And let me tell you, I am in my mid-40s, and I feel like I'm just landing this now because it's hard. It is so hard to say, no, I'm going to reject that notion when it, that message comes at you from every, every angle. And so in my coaching within tech, outside of tech, so much of the work that I do is with working mothers or with women, whether they um, are caregivers, you know, breadwinners, single, whatever it is, and we try and spend time dismantling what everybody else's idea of success is and let them define for them. Maybe it is to be a CEO. Great. Awesome. Go for it. But maybe, maybe you want to retire really early and join a knitting circle. I don't know. Go do that. Live your life. Be happy. Um, so you, you, you can see where I'm getting at. But, yeah. but I can also say this. Just because I've landed in this position does not mean I don't live with mom guilt all the time. It's a constant battle. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, to be candid, I, I think for the audience who don't know what that experience is being a woman in tech, could you just share a little bit yeah. about what are the, the, your clients facing or what you yourself are experiencing in that space? But then also answer, like, just give some give some context of like, how do you guide and advise people in this space as well? Because I, I think for our audience, this is probably our first real introduction to kind of focusing that lens into like the technology, the space of, you know, like even in general, because we've, we've had so many people from different backgrounds, but mm -hmm. I have to imagine that there is something uniquely um, different, but similar in that sure. space. So could you just give us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in big tech for 15 years. And what I will say is the culture is incredibly fast moving. It, things change constantly. And so if you aren't nimble and agile, ready to respond to those things, that's looked down upon. So when you think about maybe someone with caregiving responsibilities who'd like to have control over their schedule, that can be challenging. Um, it is very male dominated. It is dominated by certain racial identity groups. Um, and while I am not in a technical role, I have been working with technical people for a long time. And what, what I see over and over and over again is those who don't identify with the dominant groups have to constantly prove and reprove that they belong there. Now that's not unique to tech. I know I don't have to tell you both that, um, but the tech labels are, you know, I just don't know if she's technical enough. 
well, what does that mean? Can you, can you break that down and explain that to me? Um, they have to deal with that. They have to deal with being spoken over all the time. They have to deal with, um, you know, an outsized credit due to a collaborator or someone who is supporting them rather than it being obvious that they were the ones who were leading the work. Um, I am currently in one of the most amazing setups where my senior vice president is a technical woman, my immediate boss is a vice president who is a technical woman, and I can tell you it is a different environment because the tone is set at the top. So I know, I know some of the the challenges that women do face in sure. tech industry, right? We have like lack of mentors, lack of female yeah. role models. I mean, you're very blessed that you have that going upwards by gender bias, unequal growth opportunities, right? I can name a ton and we'll definitely put that on, on one of our uh, Friday resources because I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to that because uh, there's percentages as to where this comes from. Yep. What advice, two questions, well, not to one comment, one, women should be in at, at, in every table, yeah. right? Women of color should be in every table. Um, diversity should be at every table, right? Period. But what advice would you give women specifically entering into the tech field? Um, yes, it's a great question. And so I will say this with the caveat of, I wish I didn't have to say this, However, given the current environment, here would be my guidance on how you can be most successful. So in tech, data is everything. So if you, you speak the language of data, that is how you can continue to shine a light on your abilities your capabilities and the contribution that you make. So some of the work that I see that I'm so proud of is product inclusion work. Okay, that hasn't been a historical focus for a lot of tech companies, right? But the way that we were able to get to that work, and I say we, I did not lead this, <laughs> I'm not responsible for it, but the, the collective we are here is because there was data about how many users were being left out of the experience, the products, and therefore the contributing revenue because the products weren't built for them. They weren't accessible, they weren't usable, they didn't reflect the user's experience. And so when you can go about that with, with data, that's the, that's the first thing I would say. Data is the language. Um, the second thing is probably not so different from any other industry, which is um, there are a lot of people who don't get it, but there are, there are people who do. You gotta find those people. You, you've gotta connect to them. You, you've gotta put coffee chats are, are a really kind of normal thing in tech. Like, hey, I just, I heard you're someone to know, like, hey, can I, can I do a coffee chat? Let them know what you, what you bring, what you're interested in. Um, ask them questions about their career, do, do your homework in the beginning. And then offer, hey, 
there's anything I can ever do to support the work that you're doing, can you let me know? And that's how you build relationships. Everyone's looking for free labor and help. And you do it for a very period, short period of time, very short. You get your foot where you need to go. And then when someone keeps asking you for stuff, you say, actually, my plate's full. <laughs> and so you protect your peace that way. It's a, it's a balance. Well, let me just say, first of all, in the spirit of, I'm just so happy you said all this. I was like, I'm going to take notes, but I feel like I can't because I got to pay attention and listen. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely going to listen back to this and be in my notepad. I just want to go, I just want to throw that out there because I know somebody feeling this way. Like, I want to listen, but I need to get my notebook. Um, so go get it, first of all. And then second of all, you know, I'm glad you're talking about that product diversity. Like, I literally was just having this um, conversation with a colleague of mine. We were traveling through an airport and the machine, you know, the automatic machine was not working um, for, you know, because first and foremost, we all don't know, there's been historically issues with like people who program technology and who who they tested on isn't necessarily exactly. look like us. So most airports, I don't, the, the little automatic soap thing don't work if it's an older model and it does work if I'm a newer model, right? So typically I have to flip my hand over to the, the wider part of my hand and to get the machine to work versus the opposite, right? Yeah. And so I go through this experience, right? And my, my colleague's like, why do you keep flipping your hand like that? I was like, because I'm too brown for this machine. And I shocked her. Like, she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, like, it's a... I, yeah. In this space, I'm so used to hearing about products being having to be, you know, be more inclusive in how they test and create them because they don't serve individuals at that very basic level, right? And we can go probably on and on about other spaces that become exclusionary, but that was one that was just happens every day for me that I've adapted to. But hearing that that is something that you're excited about and that it's yeah. moving in this space is like really super encouraging for me to hear. Um, but I did want to kind of dive a little bit into yeah, yeah. what we were talking about, which was, you know, you started to get into some of the biases yeah. that's showing up in the the tech space. Like what what had what does that look like from where you sit? Oh gosh. That's a big question, Tara. I could go in so many different places. Um so I think about where is the evidence of the outcome of the bias versus what does the interaction look like? What does it look like in the moment? So you tell me where you want me to go. First of all, you ain't gonna just give me no a la carte and just, I want all I love me. that. Right. I love that. She's like, wait a minute, oh, I give you two options. Look at her coaching okay. skills. Woo. All right, <laughs> all right, all right. Give me all, what's the, what's the um, all above? All right, so let me let me start with this. So when I lead my team, when I think about embedding a diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging lens into all of our work, the way I talk about it is our outcome is equity. So I should not, well, equity and belonging. From an equity standpoint, I should not be able to determine your professional outcomes by knowing how you identify. Okay, so particularly in tech, in many industries, if I know how you identify, I can use data and figure out how likely you are to get to the top. That's not okay. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the understatement of the century too, right? I should not be able to make those kinds of predictions. And, and I know I don't have to tell you both that the same with healthcare, right? With life expectancy. If I look at that data and I know how you identify, if you're a woman of color, particularly a black woman, and you are pregnant, I, I can predict how likely it is that you are going to have serious complications and it's, you know, a 2X what a white woman like me would experience. So we think about equity from the beginning of what we are trying to drive, right? I'd love to live in a world where I can't look at, look at you, um, you know, I can't think about what you're telling me about the way you identify, be it religious, be it uh, sexual identity, be it gender identity, be it, you know, able-bodiedness. You, you tell me, I don't want to be able to say, well, you've got an X percent chance of ever getting to this level. So that's the first thing. Um, in terms of everyday bias, and again, I'll just caveat this by saying, I don't think it's unique to tech, but it is pronounced to tech. It's pronounced in tech because of the sort of the people who tend to wind up there, right? We have a lot of very literal thinkers and engineers. Um, took me a long time to figure out how to facilitate and coach with engineers because here's the thing. This was my aha a few years ago, and I thought, God, I wish I had realized this earlier. When engineers are trained, they are taught to build something and then try and break it. And if it withstands that breaking, then it's good, right? If you are someone who identifies uh, with a marginalized group in that particular setting, they are going to be more likely to try and break your idea and depending, again, I don't have to tell you how you identify, that might be the 80th time that day when someone tried to break something for you and you're exhausted. You're exhausted. That's such an exhausting. I mean, honestly, I, we work, Liz and I work with plenty of engineers. First of all, we're not trying to stereotype engineers, but I will say that 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 behavior, that ability to have that critical thinking and analysis is what makes things safe. Yep. And also <laughs> what also allows things to be become efficient, especially if you're yep. building and creating. But I will say the that has that was one of the pain points, yep. specifically being in spaces where individuals spend more time trying to not validate your perspective yep. or what you bring to the table if it's data or other things, because Oftentimes it was almost like that switch would not go on and off, but I and others had to have that switch with working with, with many individuals who have that similar thinking. And I, I will say that that's where a lot of people kind of decide if they can deal with specific spaces, especially if you're the only, because that is yes. a lot of work to be on authentic and to turn that switch on from my trained way of thinking to the way in which the world has said I'm supposed to be um, in this space. And so it's it's almost like, I tell people all the time, code switching is the most exhausting thing that has ever been put to words. And I will say that in spaces like this where you're the most different or you're in something new and there has a lot of, sim a lot of differences in it, trying to create something for the future, yeah. It cannot be more challenging in the beginning. 
to have create that um, camaraderie, connection, collaboration, and efficiency in the beginning. But the long term is always going to outweigh the homogeneous spaces, right? That provides that level of diversity. And I'm so glad you mentioned it because it's many people who have to navigate that space and probably couldn't clearly identify it as simply as you did, but it's a space that they are well known, we're aware, but haven't had the words to explicitly share what it was. Yeah, and, and I think, Richard, you gave me that kind of language on when I was coaching. I had a lot of coaching clients that were engineers that had that kind of that mindset, and mine isn't that way. I'm I'm completely the opposite. So having to coach someone who's opposite thinking than I am, it's like, how do I make this? Because they were trying to almost like breaking the coaching process, you know, yes. it's like, and very skeptical, right? Very which is which is great like that's why they're successful in their in their roles but also like it's it's hard to do um and you know to your point Shara, on people like the code switching and how exhausting it is this is why we are having that great resignation why because people are like i was able to be my full self authentic self in spaces and I felt safe in my own space and in my own environment. And I didn't have to to be that. I mean, that's why I didn't go back into an office mm -hmm. because I I just I just wanted to be my full self. You know, I wanted to wear my bright lipstick and my hoop earrings and, you know, like, I mean, I'm and you look my... beautiful. <laughs> and it's like I didn't want to have to deal with that. Right. Um, and I think so many people can resonate with that. Um, and, and I will go, one of the things that came up for me in this conversation is, and we talked about in our discovery call, was I always said, I've, I've always wanted to be in the tech industry, but, and my stereotype was, I know I could, I could run with the big ones. I know I could be very successful in, in a tech job, no but question. what scares me, but what scares me is like, I'm also a mom, right? I'm also like... I also have a life and work life balance and and all this stuff. So I had my own stereotypes and I think what came up for me in this and 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 you know, one would say, wow, like I had to kind of trigger myself on like, oh, that's a stereotype that I have because I'm making an assumption that tech is more progressive than a lot of other industries. But I think after you and I talked and in our discovery call was like, well, actually, they also deal with a lot of different issues to just like any other industry. Why do you think it's so important to have proper representation in the tech industry? And do you feel, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. We can see that as you progress above, and, and this isn't unique to tech industry, it's very also oil and gas industry deals with this as well. As you go up in your leadership, not only do you have less representation of people with different abilities, different gender identities, um, different races, you have less representation of that. Why do you feel like for tech industry, it's so important to have that representation in all levels? Yeah, and I have to just one quick caveat because Shara said something that triggered something that was really important for me. I am in no way trying to paint the picture that there are no strong technical engineers who are not allies, who don't drive equitable outcomes. So I just need to name that um, before we move on. Um, 
Why do I think it's so critical? Well, product inclusion is a great example. So I, I heard the story about a tech feature where um, it had been tested, looked like things were working, but there was a small group of people in the team who, who kept seeing this bug. It was like, it's, I can't get it to, to reorient when I move my phone. They kept testing, couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. And then eventually they realized they only had right-handed people testing it. And the left-handers were twisting it the other way because that is innate and natural for them. Um, and, and I, you know, that one is different, right? You can see that as, well, that's just how my body works. Um, we have issues where people with darker skin, to your point, Shara, they don't show up on photos in the same way. Um, we don't have accessibility for people who have uh, different challenges with uh, disabilities, right? Um, so that's one thing, but I will also say this. Uh, I don't believe we are ever going to get to a place to that equity, the, like I told you before, where you can't predict outcomes based on identity unless we have a very representative, representative employee group, but particularly at the very top. Because where people are making policy decisions often is at the most senior levels. And if you don't have people thinking about all the folks and what their experiences are and why they might differ from yours, then you are going to do which the, the one thing that makes me cringe. We, <laughs> we create these environments for the dominant group members, right? And then later we're like, oh, we need to do some DEI work. Let's, let's go bridge it. Everybody else. That's the absolute wrong thing to do if you ever wanna drive the best business outcomes, the best culture outcomes, you know, you wanna retain great talent. You have to have the right things designed for everybody from the beginning. You need a DEI lens embedded. You, look, you can tell I'm very committed to this work. I also am a white Jewish able-bodied cisgender woman. I am not gonna see it all. I'm not gonna get it all right. I need people who identify differently than I do above me, next to me, folks who report to me. I need those people to see what I'm not seeing. I need them to say, you're wrong about this. And, and every organization should have that. Okay, I will step down off my soapbox, but you can hear how passionate. You better go ahead and tell them, because I was just snaps. like, okay, snaps, snaps. I want to tell them. You, we don't yeah. need to get it wrong. You go and handle it for us, because we are we just here. We just here to. Well, support. and I think it also like lends to because one of the things that one of the reasons why we created this podcast, we did have in mind facilitators and coaches in mind in creating this podcast to give them to give us a space where we can come together and and have a community of this because what that tends to do you, that exact scenario that you just spoke about is that it creates burnout not just in your employees because they know that it's a checkbox that you're trying to do and but it also creates burnout on those DEI professionals, the yeah. advocates, people who want equity, people who want inclusion, people who want belonging and community for all, not just the dominant group. 
Um, and it, it just things like we're never going to progress. We're never going to transform this if if that isn't talked about. So I'm so glad that you brought that up and that you you spoke it because I, I think that just creates so much burnout and so many different levels. Yeah, and, and going back to what Shara said before, if you only have onlys, it's too much for one person to shoulder. Um, I, you know, my last boss was a, a black woman who uh, is a friend of mine, and I'm never letting her go either. Um, but we always talked about how she was working three times as hard as everyone else uh, at her level and how unfair that was. And, you know, I was like, what can you throw on me? I know I'm not as senior as you, but like, what can I hold for you? What voice can I bring in even in those meetings I'm not in? You know, I don't need you to tell me what to do when I'm in that meeting, unless you want to tell me this would be useful, right? I'm not telling you what to tell me to do. I don't like adding that burden <laughs> onto people. Um, but there are lots of people who, who are making their way to the top and they don't identify with dominant group members and, and they're there and they want to thrive and they want other people to thrive who identify like they do. And, and it, it can't all be on them. You know, when we do DEI work. It's so often embedded in HR. Well, these are really passionate and talented people who are held back by legal a lot. They're hamstrung a lot of the time. And so they need business leaders who own it, who get it, regardless of how they identify, whether they're acting in allyship or whether they are acting through their lived experiences. We cannot continue to have the outcomes that everyone deserves if everybody looks the same, speaks the same, dresses the same, eats the same, you know, moves the same, you name it. So with that said, you, you've touched on so many different um, areas in which a person could, you know, really kind of pull down these barriers into success, right? Like while you're in the organization yeah. or how you can be more of an advocate or a champion. I think for those who are still like Liz, who were considering coming into this industry, what are some of those um, opportunities that you think would are important for listeners to hear about what could be those barriers to entry and what would you recommend for them um, and how to navigate that space? Yeah. So I recently through the CDI community had someone reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm looking to apply to tech. Do you have advice for me? And I said, send me a resume. Um, and this person worked a lot in the um, public sector. And I looked at her resume and I said, I see you have exec executive assistant to the director. I'm assuming that was a very senior strategic position. In tech, that is an administrative role, what we used to call secretaries. You, you have to learn the language in order to accurately depict the work that you've done I think that's true for any industry, but that's really hard unless you have someone there to tell you, right? So I would say, do your research, find anyone in that industry who can help you translate your amazing work and make it relevant to, to that, you know, speak that language. So that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing uh, is, is not necessarily true, uh, not necessarily unique to tech, but, any way that you can find 
contacts, be it through in a, if you went to, um, you know, an undergrad program, are there any alumni in that area? Like, can you just spam anybody <laughs> to say, hey, I see we won't see mom martyr. I, I really like uh, your input. It'll take five minutes, you know, have your questions ready to go. Know exactly what you want to ask, right? That's another thing. Um, and the third thing I would say is don't give up. So I say this to so many people like Liz, she will get there. That's what she wants to do. Look, if the first folks who look at your resume are not smart enough to realize that you're going to be a fit there, don't take that as a proclamation that you can't be successful in tech. You can. Sometimes the reason that they don't call you is a silly one. Like, hey, we had all these candidates and this one was internal and you're great, but this one's gonna ramp faster. Well, that does not mean you can't do the job well. So, so don't, don't give up, don't give up. Believe that you have a right to be there because you do, you belong. Well, first of all, for those of you who listen all the way in the back, she does gave you some really strong tips. And I will say, this goes along to some of the conversations. If anybody's familiar with the pie model, right? Performance, image, and exposure. This is the time to really put that in context. Now, if you don't know the book, you better Google it because it's a very notable book. But it's really those moments where it's like, hey, oftentimes people of color are groomed to be able to go in and perform. Well, if you can't get in the door, what are the other two factors that can influence okay. you being able to have access or additional exposure? And it's exposure and image, which is, who do you know? Exposure is you creating those opportunities for yourself. How do you network? How do you reach out to people? How do you ask for help? Or how do you leverage what you the relationships you already have? Or like Liz, like this, like how do you level up, right? Um, but then you got to talk about your image, right? Like yes. from an image standpoint, if you want to be in tech, what is it? How are you uh, demonstrating that knowing good and well, they looking at your social media and other things when they, yes, and, you know, they are, I, she no. ain't saying, but I know they do. Cause my friend told I me, I get resumes. I look at social media. Of course. So you, how you leveling up to let them know that, that you the one. And so it's all those things that really matter right now and i will say it and i ain't putting it on rachel but you know a lot of decisions in the future i'm sure are going to be this be decided based on how you show up publicly yep. and how, what you say and algorithms are going to be built so that helps speed up the process and once again speed up means weed out so at times okay i need to make sure I put that <laughs> so those are the pieces that you, we all should be thinking about. So performance, image, and exposure. Like if you're not there yet, what could you be doing to get there? But I, Rachel, I have one more question and I, and I could not let this go because okay. you said in the early on about the parent, like the, the workplace roles, right? Yep. We, I have a lot of clients who struggle with being dual career or whatever their structure is, right? The primary caregiver. I have to ask you because so many has been struggling with this conversation, which is really, how do you manage um, or balance the, 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 the wear and the challenges of your industry and also balance your aspirations for yourself as well as the, the aspirations you have for what you want your family structure to be. 
Yes, I I love this question, and you might get a slightly unsatisfying answer from me, Sarah. So the first thing I would say is, I've learned to embrace that it's always going to be a bit of a struggle. Like this idea that I'm going to one day suddenly have it all perfectly balanced is just ridiculous. Um, first of all, I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone. It's not like every day is predictable. I was telling Liz, my five-year-old fractured her tibia because my children never stopped moving. And somehow like my older one's 10 and uh, this is our third broken bone. So I think I need a VIP card for the ER, but you know, she can't, she cannot put any weight on this for maybe 12 weeks. Okay. Well now we got to go figure out a whole new way of operating because what we thought we had all nailed down for this school year isn't going to work. Um, and so that mentality of, I'm going to try and, and plan for my family and create the right routines and infrastructure to the best of my ability. And also know that I just don't have full control over this. This is never going to happen. So that, that's one thing. Um, the other is uh, I try really hard to provide myself just a tiny bit of the grace. I offer my, my other mom friends, my other dear friends, which is, you know what? Some days my kids are eating chicken nuggets and I'm eating salad out of a bag while standing over the counter. And I'm sorry, but that is the best I can do on that night. And my kids are not starving and I'm eating food and, and I'm also working on homework with the 10 year old. And I'm, you know, responding to some story about, you know, a fairy who came to the playground because my daughter's imagination will never cease. You know, it's just, that's the best I can do that day. See, Rachel, what you need to do is get a TT like Shara and then uh, teach your kids to FaceTime on uh, a yeah. TT Shara. And then they'll tell the whole story to TT Shara and Titi will be like, oh, and I'm over here cleaning and doing everything. And, and my son's like, oh, Miss Shara. Da, 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 da. <laughs> when can I sign you up, Shara? I'm happy to. I prefer all the emojis that talk because it entertains me while they're doing okay. it. But it's, yeah, it's so my preference. That's what my kids yeah. message Shara at like random times. I said, do you know, like she's asleep now? <laughs> you know, like she's asleep right now. She always responds though. I love so, it. I don't know I love if you the sleep poop either. Emojis. They're funny. The talking poop emojis gets me every time. That's that's yeah. the second one. The second yeah. one likes the poop emoji. But Rachel, you know- Well, I, I have one last thing I want to say ahead. about this balance thing, which is I also have made deliberate decisions to be present for my family. And I have not climbed as fast as some other people. That was an intentional choice. I'm getting there now, but you know what? I wanted to be there for bedtime. And that's a trade-off because I, I'm sorry, I wish this were true, but I don't believe you can have it all, all at the same time. There are different stages in your life where you have to make deliberate choices and trade-offs. So my best advice there is to make sure it's your choice. When you're in a position of privilege where you actually can choose, and there are lots of people who are not in a position of privilege and it is not their choice, but if you are in that place, make sure it's your choice. Now I will shut up, I promise, Liz. I mean, that's such an amazing way to end the episode because I think that's so important. It's like control what you can, progress over perfection, 
I mean, that that's just been kind of the theme that I'm getting out of this kind of conversation. And we always end our episode with a moment of reflection. And I think I want to challenge our listeners to think about how, what are the things that you can control and what are you, fo- what are you, what is your focus on? And uh, is it, you know, is it things that you can't control or things that you can control? And are you being really, really hard on yourself and not giving yourself grace where you're, we always talk about progress over perfection. Like, are you trying to be that super mom, superhero? And I agree with you, Rachel. I do not think that we can have it all. And I'm, I love having my balance and my work-life balance and everything, but sometimes I don't have that. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes the, the balance is, you know, my career sometimes it's my children sometimes it's my friends sometimes it's just it all goes different pieces but as long as like you said as long as i have that control and i'm making that choice which we all have that choice it's fine like nobody else can tell you otherwise so i don't know shara rachel do y'all want to have some yeah i think i would say this i think something that just keeps resonating with me from this conversation um is, you know, are you a gatekeeper or are you the one opening the gate for others? And and I say that because it's something, Rachel has given so many jewels about how you can be an advocate and, and really be in actively engaged in equity work, um, specifically in, in these spaces. But it's like, which side are you on? Which side are you on and what side do you enjoy being on and if and if that's where you are, own own that space so that people know where you are if you're not on the side of opening the door. And so that the other people can yep. acknowledge the work that needs to be done. Because I'm so tired of the masking. Let's just be honest about if this matters to you and or if it doesn't matter to you, what role? Clear out the way or get involved. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for coming on our podcast. What an honor. What an amazing conversation. Like, I hope everybody got their notebooks. I can't write (laughs) right now, but like Shara said, I'm going to go back and listen. I'm going to get my tips, you know, whatever. (laughs) But thank you, Rachel, for coming. It's such a privilege. And aunties, thanks for all you're doing. And you know, I'm your biggest fan. So you let me know what I can be doing to get get even more word out about what uh, this is so are. great well catch us on uh, instagram at more than words podcast send us your questions send us who you want us who you want to hear from liz and shara at more than words cool well thanks rachel see y'all soon bye, bye. bye.